Yeah, I actually transplanted a dandelion one time. So he pushes the lawnmower down the hill and then he pulls it back up with a string. So now would be a good time to get out and assess your trees and your shrubs. So is there really like a right or wrong answer to choosing a kind of mulch or is it just aesthetic? People like to be woken up gently. I do. I've got nice gentle music on my alarm. Wind chimes like ding, 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 ding. That's my impression of wind chimes. Ding, 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 ding. Welcome back to the Helpful Gardeners podcast. This week, we are heading out into the garden. We're talking all about the things that you can do in the garden before planting even a single plant. And there's a lot that you can do, Colin. Yeah, there is. People are looking at the garden, but they're not, they don't think they can do anything. This, uh, you know, my, my house, uh, my front yard is 100% south facing, blasted in sun all day long. And I still have snow and ice on the front. Yeah. You know, and, and we have had nice weather uh, here in Alberta. I know the East Coast just got hit with some snow. Uh, I've got some friends in Montreal. I saw some pictures. Uh, Vancouver, the, the, the blossoms are already out. Right? Jerks. I know. Yeah. But it's just so diverse across the country. So this is really a podcast for everyone because timing might be a little bit different. Yep. But there are still things that you can be out in the garden doing right now. For episodes like this... These are kind of my favorite ones because we're doing an overview. Mm -hmm. The amount of topics we can cover, yeah, I feel like sometimes we need more time, but it gives people an idea of what they can be doing because you don't have to do everything all at once. Yeah. You know, it's not that movie, everything, everybody at once or something or everywhere at once. Everything, everywhere, all at once. That's one. There you go. There we go. I, I was close. You're too busy in your garden, not enough in Pretty front much. of the TV. <laughs> I, I've got a lot of houseplants to deal with. Yeah, yeah, true, true. You know, there's... Yeah, where do you even start? The best thing to do is jog your memory and have a look and go, hey, last year, what worked, what didn't work? Yeah. If it worked, stay with it. If it didn't work, start planning on changing it. And that might be uh, maybe an amendment didn't work. You know, we still get people who don't fully understand soils and they'll come in and uh, they'll see a bag of topsoil. Yeah. They recognize the word soil. They go home with it and they put it in a pot. Mm -hmm. It is way too heavy of a soil to be in a pot. There's no correct drainage in it. Mm -hmm. Topsoil is okay if you have a huge pot and you're putting uh, tomatoes and cucumbers in it. Maybe the bottom third of the pot can be topsoil. It adds weight. It's going to help with moisture retention and whatnot. But filling the whole pot with topsoil isn't a good way to go. So maybe that didn't work. And and this year you're like, well, oh, that didn't work. My my tomatoes didn't thrive. What did I do wrong? Yeah. Everything else did great. I want to focus on that. You know, so kind of the uh, the pros and cons. What worked, what didn't work and build with that. Maybe there's a patch in your garden where, you know, winter is completely gone. The snow and ice is gone. The ground is soft. The ground is spongy. Instead of waiting for it all to build up and then having a huge day, and you don't know if you're going to get that day. It's happened to me before, you know, best laid plans of of mice and men kind of thing where, oh, this is the day I'm going to go out into my garden and anything can happen. The weather changes or something comes up with the family or something comes up with work and you get pulled away and you've, you've missed that day. You have a patch, go out and do some work in it. What I would be doing right now what I have been doing is going out and, and I can't help myself. I always go out and I look to see if, if anything's leafing out, if anything's coming out the ground. I know it's too early, but I am seeing bud break. 
What's bud break? You know, when you're walking through the forest, maybe it's just me, but when you walk through the forest and you see uh, like the trees and the shrubs and you bend a branch, even in the middle of the winter and it bends, it doesn't break. Yeah. So that's still alive. Yeah. And then it's got a little bud at the end. That bud has a uh, coat on it, a coating. Bud break is literally as that coating is breaking off and the leaf is emerging. And there's tiny, tiny signs of it. Again, my yard is south facing and I... I I live in Calgary. I have a Cotoniasta hedge. And there's part of that hedge that is uh, insulated. It's blocked from the wind because of uh, the neighbor's house and where our house is situated. And if you look really close, there's bud break happening. So now would be a good time to get out and assess your trees and your shrubs. Yeah. See if there's any breakage. Maybe you've got a ton of breakage on your uh, raspberry canes. Mm -hmm. Uh, Some snow came off the roof or uh, just a really hard winter. Animals ran through, uh, whatever the case might be. You have a tree like that. Those plants are still dormant. They are starting to wake up, but they are still pretty much dormant. You can start pruning that. You can start putting a dormant spray kit out, the clues in the name. Like this is the time of, yeah, you should be doing that kind of stuff. So even if you can't get to your, your grass or your flower beds, you can absolutely be assessing your trees and your shrubs. Uh, and just a reminder for what a dormant spray kit does. A dormant spray kit, it's lime, sulfur and horticultural oil. Okay. And it's two parts that uh, I honestly can't remember the ratios. It's it's on the box. And it's essential for treating certain bugs, and it certainly helps with uh, some diseases. Mm-hmm. Most notably in Calgary, we've already touched on this on, on one episode, we couldn't keep it in stock because of the oyster scale. Yeah. This is the time of year to get them. Mm-hmm. So the lime sulfur basically acts as the killing agent and the oil coats everything. Nice. Now, you don't want to put that on too early in the season because everything's frozen. So nothing is moving. Uh, You got a ton of precipitation, wind, freeze, thaw, so there's water running. It can basically dilute it too much, so it's not effective. But if you put it on too late and you start coating those buds or leaves in oil, uh, you're going to get burnt. Mm -hmm. Remember, I was going to say, remember back in the 80s, no, you don't. No, you don't. (laughs) So back in the 80s, we didn't have SPF. We had tanning oil. You'd literally put oil on yourself and go sit in the sun. So you'd get a much deeper brown ed. Yeah, basically basting uh, yourself. Priorities in the 80s. Exactly. You needed uh, ridiculously white teeth, frosted tips, and the brownest tan possible. Wow. Yeah, I didn't do any of that. Oh, you didn't? No. No, I uh, I didn't have the patience for that kind of stuff. I, I uh, That wasn't my scene. But... Now, could you imagine going into your doctor's or dermatologist's office and telling them, oh, no, I don't use SPF, I use oil. Oh, no. They would just be like, get out. Yeah. (laughs) Get out. (laughs) So if you put an oil after the leaf has emerged, you can literally start cooking the leaves and you're going to do more damage than good. Okay. So now is the time. And and even now, bud break, you're pushing it late. Again, please assess your conditions for, you know, Brandy was just showing me uh, where we've uh, got our followers from and Holy diverse. Canada, obviously, yay Canada. America, um, hi neighbors. Uh, England. Yeah. Howdy back home. We had uh, Pakistan, Singapore, Dominican Republic. Yep. So uh, we've got people listening from all over. So A huge thank you. Yeah. It's remarkable um, how many people we're reaching. We'll have to up the budget for uh, next year and do uh, some travel shows. Oh, I love it. Yeah, be like, sorry, guys, we have to go to the Dominican. Anyone want to host a couple of wild yeah. podcasters? <laughs> wild podcast. Two most boring people ever. I like your houseplants. Yeah. yeah. <laughs>
<laughs> but yeah, check the conditions for where you are. Uh, any local uh, independent garden center would be able to give you that advice for sure. That's where that's where you can start. And then the other thing, if you're looking and uh, your your flower beds or your vegetable beds or, or your lawn, there's no snow on it. There's nothing like that. Start waking it up. In the next couple of weeks, I guarantee I'm going to see somebody out there and they are going to be raking their grass like they're, they're competing in the Olympics yeah. or turning their flower beds. And most people I know, nobody likes being woken up like that. Mm-mm. People like to be woken up gently. I do. Yeah. Like I, I, I've got, I've got nice, gentle music on my alarm. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, I, I don't even wake up to like. Eh, eh, eh. <laughs> I don't want to hear that. It's like wind chimes, like ding, 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 ding. That's my impression of oh, wind wow. chimes. <laughs> ding, 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 ding. 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 <laughs> <laughs> I'm too busy thinking about wind chimes now. But yeah, waking, waking it up gently. So wasn't somebody asking about like uh, debris or something? I can't remember oh, the questions. Yeah. So yeah, this was a, this was a great question um, from our Instagram, alex.paints.stuff. She, she paints incredible things. I've seen it. Um, she said, uh, I left leaves on my lawn in the fall. When should I rake them up? Can I mulch them with a lawn mower? Uh, yes, yes, and yes. Nothing wrong with leaving uh, leaves down on the lawn. Uh, yes, you can mulch them with a mower for sure. That's normally better to do in the autumn. At this time of year, because what you want to be doing now is you want to dethatch your lawn, but not right now. The first thing you want to do is just get that debris off it. It's still too early. Thatch is is good. It's going to insulate. We, we, we are fully going to get more frost. I don't know when because our overnights are still minus eight. So we're still freezing. Removing the thatch too early is, is not a wonderful thing to do to your grass. However, getting the debris off it and just gently lifting uh, the blades up so that they can open up, you can get air circulation, they can start a little bit of photosynthesis. If that ground is warm and it's moist and the, and the, uh, the roots are active and the sun is shining, it's going to start photosynthesizing as long as that leaf is green. So I would, I would absolutely get the debris off, just a very light rake. And be careful too, if it is too wet, don't step on it. You're going to do more damage than good. You, you don't want to be stepping and leaving big squishy footprints. You know, we'll, we'll talk about flower beds in a second, but one thing, I, and this, this one is hard for me. I hate going out and cleaning my garden and not turning around and it's spotless and leaving a pile of stuff branches oh, and leaves it's essential i know it's 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 hard but i see people go out and uh they take the debris off the lawn and they've got their green compost bin and it all goes into the compost bin what you've done there is you have probably gotten rid of hundreds of overwintered predator bugs yeah so three right off the top of uh my head that are wonderful to have in your garden the ladybird, the spider, and the centipede. They all overwinter and they love piles like that. You've gotten rid of all of those. The the problem bugs are going to be thanking you. So last year, we still had a pile on our back lawn until I want to say the first week of June. Wow, that late. Yeah, it was, uh, there was some, there was some uh, colder times compost bin was regularly being filled up with everything else and we just slowly chipped away at it leaving a spot where those predator bugs can overwinter and get shelter is crucial and it's 
it's so hard when you go out and you're getting it clean and you're like, it, it, it would be like, you know, sweeping your hardwood floors into a pile and, and I'll speak personally, you know, the leaves that fall off some of my plants and Jimmy's dog hair and uh, having a teenager in the house and then sweeping it into a pile and be like, okay, that's good. Oh my gosh. I know. So, so in, in our townhouse complex, like we don't have many places to put debris right. and, and whatnot. And so we usually just keep, I mean, it doesn't look the greatest all the time, but we usually let our annuals die off and we usually put like a bunch of wildflowers and we just let them die off. Yep. And then we usually keep that just in the planter and then clean it up in the spring uh, to, to try to encourage ladybugs and all of yep. that to, to, to nest in our, in our raised planters. And so Brad goes out the other day and he, he, instead of cleaning up debris, he wants to clean up the ice, make, <laughs> make our entire patio ice free. Yep. It's his mission. And he found a ladybug in one of the planters. Um, and he had accidentally disturbed it while trying to take ice off of it. And then he was like, Oh no. And so he tried to like place debris back over top of the ladybug. Yep. So I don't know if that ladybug's going to survive, but <laughs> if she was up and moving, Probably she'll she'll find somewhere to go when it uh isn't it funny that immediately it's a ladybird so it's a she. <laughs> yeah, I use I use the female pronoun for most bugs actually because most spiders that you see are female. Oh really? Yeah, yeah. Most praying mantis are female. Yeah. It always comes easier to me. Bees are female. Yeah. It'll probably sort itself out, but I love that Brad took that time to do that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it is hard in the fall when you know all you stare at is just you know yep. debris, and you're waiting for the snow to come and cover it up. Yep. But it does help so much because we do see those predator bugs in the springtime, and I mean most years we do get things like uh, aphids and whatnot yep. on our annuals. And so we just, we, you know, welcoming all the ladybugs to the community. Aphids and spider mites, they're always going to be there. It doesn't matter yeah. how clean you get your garden. You know, we live less than a block away from Confederation Park. Oh, goodness. So yeah, they don't clean up and you see the trees covered in aphids. Well, they're going to branch out. I have no doubt in my mind that we are going to have problem bugs. So I want to make sure I've got my predator bugs mm -hmm. and it's a small price to pay. And you don't have to make the, the, the winterized pile a focal feature of your garden. You can put it off to the side. The bugs will find it. Yeah. I always try and tell people that is you don't have to wake your garden up aggressively and try and get everything done. I, I often, I, it's not really a lawn per se, but my, my grass area, that's what I'll call it. Well, no, it's a lawn. It's a wild lawn, native lawn. It normally takes me maybe three full rakings uh, to get it done. The, the first one is I just pick up debris, uh, liven it up a bit. Um, the second one, I give it a good going over, really get those blades of grass out. And then the third one, when it's nice and dry, uh, and I want to start, you know, maybe if I'm going to put down a fertilizer, or if I'm going to top dress an area, then I dethatch. Mm -hmm. But you, you know, we'll see people if this weather keeps up here in Calgary in a couple of weeks, they're going to be out with their, uh, power rakes. Yeah. When I see that, I, I, what goes through my mind is the amount of stress and damage you're putting into your grasp. And then you wonder, you're like, well, I've done all of this work. Why is my grass not thriving? Yeah. I always find like that a lot of people try to rush the season. You're so excited yep. for spring. And so, I mean, even my husband, Brad, he's a mechanic and he just, he, he's seeing his shop putting on summer tires already. And it's, it's oh not even April. 
right? Usually in, at least in Calgary, the rule of thumb is for, you know, summer tires is around the May long weekend as well. It's like, it's like being a kid at Christmas. Mm -hmm. Like now when I, uh, when we have Christmas morning, I'm sitting there and I get a present. I take a, a moment. I appreciate the wrapping paper. I read the little card that's on it, you know, and uh, I thank the person. I open it and I'm like, oh, this is awesome. I'm still opening gifts and Harry's pile is gone. And he's already organizing everything. He doesn't know who it came from. He, and I was the same way. I see it and I dive in and the paper is going everywhere. If I was super excited about a toy, there was a good chance I'd just rip through instructions I just had to get to that toy. And that's the analogy is that people are so excited. Again, it's years of me doing it. I understand why people are the way they are. It's a long winter. People want to be outside. And I encourage that. Pace yourself and, and do it right. Because another one I see, and I'll be seeing this in a few weeks as well, is people turning amendments into their soil. Yeah. What's your favorite amendment? Ooh. Oh, good. Wow. That was a good question. That, that blindsided me. Uh, I think my favorite is coconut coir. Coconut coir. That's like peat moss, right? Yeah. it's 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 It does the same job as peat moss. Mm -hmm. It's literally just like completely smashed up coconut husks and, and whatnot, but it really fluffs up and aerates the soil yeah. and makes it uh, that beautiful color. And it holds so much moisture, pH neutral, highly sustainable. I love my coir. I love my compost. I love my worm castings, my volcanic mineral. But my, my all-time favorite is probably the coir just for how much it lightens the soil. Mm -hmm, absolutely. But I'm, I'm one of those people that if there is something new to try, it's going in one of my flower beds. Am I not going all of them? I might want to test it, but I'm trying it. Do you do you try new things? Are you are you if it ain't broke, don't fix it? I usually just try whatever you tell me to try and then <laughs> <laughs> I'll just go that route. Like last year, so we have the raised planter beds and we just ended up putting um some Annalita worm castings in. Um and that was it. There's so many amendments. I find it can be a little bit overwhelming. Yeah. And sometimes if I'm just not really bothered, you know, I might just go and pick up like a, you know, a pro mix vegetable and then and just mix it into my existing soil yep. and then just say, okay, that's it. Yep. They know what they're doing. We're, we're lucky. We have the advantage of working in a place that has all of the stock and we can pick it up whenever we want. Yeah. You know, at the end of any given day, I can just, you know, grab what I need, throw it in the Jeep and away I go. And one of my favorite amendments, uh, this is a new one. It's not really for the garden. It's more for, I mean, it's for the garden. It's for plants. Absolutely. But it's more watering one is uh, that uh, compost tea. It's a local Alberta one. It's called Granny Annie. Yeah, let's dive into that a little bit. What is compost tea? Oh my God, it's remarkable. All of the uh, ingredients are on the box. I can't remember what they are off the top of my head, but they're very specific with uh, what they put into it. And they break it down. And then literally, it's, it's exactly what you think. You take this dried composted material and you put it in a sachet, very much like a tea bag. You drop it into your watering can, Fill your watering can and let it steep for six, eight hours and water your plants with it. And it gives them all the benefits, all of the nutrients of a compost, but in a readily available sauce. So the plants are already drinking it up. That's so cool. It's very gentle. It's, it works great on seedlings. Um, I've used it on my house plants and it's it's amazing. It's it's now in uh, in my repertoire. Yeah. Absolutely. I uh, I fell in love with it. But um, don't drink it because it's for the plants, right? I, I don't. It, it's not endorsed to be drank. We don't want another Tide Pod challenge, please. Yeah, exactly. Like, no. No, not at all. But the plants love yeah. it. 
But I see people go out there and they, they've got their compost, their manure, their peat moss, their coir, whatever their poison is. It's, you know, hey, whatever, whatever you enjoy putting in your garden, are you trying something new? Is it the same stuff you put in every year? It's all good. It's all good. It doesn't, it really doesn't matter. You're amending the soil. You're putting fresh ingredients into it. But I see people go out there and they're digging the soil. They've got rototillers and they're tilling it down about a foot. Mm -hmm. And then they put in a four inch pot. But you've got eight inches of amendments below that. Oh, yeah. I never thought about it that way. So as it rains, as you water, as the earth shifts, as all the microorganisms are happening, those amendments just keep getting pulled deeper. A lot of times the roots don't even get there. Yeah. If you're prepping a brand new bed, cut out a chunk of uh, turf, absolutely go deep, amend it, break it all up because uh, you can have a real bed of clay under there and uh, the roots are going to hit it and they're going to stop. So break it up, no problem. But if you have an existing bed, you only want to be amending two to four inches deep. Wow, that's not very deep at all. No. So when I amend my beds, unless I'm, again, turning the whole thing, digging out weeds, putting in a new bed. If I have a bed, I know it's clean because I maintained it all last year. I do, I want to say, 90% of my amending with a cultivator. Mm-hmm. And I just literally turn the soil and, and blend it in and my plants thrive. Wow. Yeah, you don't need to be killing yourself. And, and right now, uh, you absolutely can add amendments or you can wait until planting day or the week before planting day. But right now, it's not a bad idea to get out there and get the debris off your beds. Uh, let that sunlight get directly onto the soil. And if it's not frozen, if it's not hard, just go gently with a cultivator, a garden hoe, a garden fork, a rake, and just break that surface tension so the moisture can start getting into the soil when it when it rains or snows or whatever we're going to get in Calgary, both in the same day. <laughs> and and <laughs> yeah. be careful when you do it, because the other thing I see people do it when they're going aggressively and the worst sound, and I've, I've worked with people and I've heard the sound right next to me and it, I get goosebumps, is when you hear the roots tearing. Oh. And they're using a fork or they're going way too deep with a cultivator or they're too close to a perennial or a shrub and they rip and you hear the roots tear underground and you're like, ooh, I felt yeah. that. Actually, when we're talking about, you know, old plant material, perennials, all of that kind of thing, this might be a weird question, but can you work in old plant material? Because it is technically organic, but is there anything left in it? Like old roots or old um, leaves that have that have died off or, or any of the things that you've left over from the fall? Would that offer any nutrients to... Yes, it would if it's composted. Oh, okay. So but it's not going to compost in your bed. And if you start turning in a significant amount of uh, leaves and branches into your soil, what you're doing is you're you're actually inhibiting your soil. Mm. You can cause water blockers. If you've got chunks of wood in there, it's going to develop fungus. It's going to develop mushrooms. So absolutely, you want to compost them. That's why when you go into a forest and you're walking on those leaves and branches and you dig down and there's still some more leaves and branches and you keep going through the, le- uh, the layers. Oh, yeah. And eventually you get to that layer that's, partial leaves, partial branches, partial soil, then you get below that and it's that black, rich forest soil. Mm -hmm. And that's just layer composting on itself. But we don't have that luxury. We want our gardens to look nice. We want them to look pretty. And also, if you look in a forest, 
that can be significant disease or bug damage because the bugs are thriving in there as well. Yeah. We try, for me personally, I try and keep my garden and my uh, environment as natural as possible, but controlled. That's why I remove the debris, put it in the same pile as the debris from your, uh, from your yard. Let the, uh, let the predator bugs do their thing and then just break that soil tension. Uh, that's often what I'll do is I'll go out, I'll break the soil tension. The next time I go out and do my beds, often the first thing's coming up are the weeds. Yeah. So I get rid of the weeds. And then on planting day, my soil's already broken up. I dump in the amendments. I turn them in really quickly. Then as I'm planting, I'm constantly turning it as well. And I'm up and running. Same if you have mulch. Should you remove the mulch before breaking up the soil? Yes, that's that's a great question. If if you've mulched your beds, and mulch is wonderful, pull all of the mulch back, uh, amend the soil, do everything that we just said, and then push the mulch back on and replenish it as needed. Oh, I always wondered if you needed to replace mulch every year. It depends on it. It depends on what you want. the The number one thing I see people do with mulch is how deep they make it. How deep do you got to make it? You only want your mulch to be maybe maybe two to three inches deep. Oh, and then that'll do the job. That'll yep. inhibit weeds. Yep. All, wow. If you make it too deep, you water your plants and uh, you think you've given them enough water, but the mulch has sucked it all up. Oh. So the roots didn't get much. I think one of the worst cases I ever saw, somebody asked me if I could come and have a look at their garden. It wasn't doing great. They'd had somebody else plant it. And I said, yeah, no problem. So I came by. And I had a look and, and the plants weren't doing good. They were stunted. Uh, they looked underwatered. This person had an irrigation system. I'm like, what the heck is going on? And I dug down and I don't know if this person had been paid by the bag of mulch, but there was in some areas around perennials, we're not even talking trees, which I also don't recommend this deep. There was six to eight inches of mulch. Six to eight inches. And I said to them, we need to get rid of this. Like I, I, I literally need to like pull all of this mulch out, bag it, keep it, replenish it later. I'll, I'll put it down uh, in your kid's play area. I, I don't yeah. care, but it can't be there because what ends up happening is uh, the mulch uh, gets warmed up by the sun. Uh, the moisture is trapped because it hasn't gone to the soil. So the roots aren't drinking it up. So now it's, it's warm, it's dark and it's damp mm-hmm. and your mulch will start composting. So I don't know if you've ever done this, but if you see mulch that's too deep, often when you start pulling it back, you'll see white fibers in there and that's fungus. Mm. And you develop a breeding ground for problem bugs, mildews, bacterias, all kinds of things. So mulch is a fantastic thing to put on your garden. It really is. Aesthetically, I'm not a huge fan of mulch. Okay. I, I, I like soil. I like seeing it. I like the color of it. I like looking at it when it's being watered. And I'm, I'm enough of a nerd. I'll go out and I can take care of my plants. But you want to you wanna make sure that moisture is in there. Uh, you want to regulate the temperature. Uh, you want to keep the weeds down. Mulch is your best friend. Yeah. So just take your rake like you would with the debris, pull the mulch back to the edge of the bed, Break up your soil, add your amendments, and push the mulch back over. If your mulch has gotten thin because it has broken down or it's blown away in the wind or animals have stolen it for nests, add a couple of bags more and freshen it up. Freshening it up is a good thing to do right now. And, and I know that there's so many different kinds of mulch. So is there really like a right or wrong answer to choosing a kind of mulch or is it just aesthetic? Both. There's bark chips 
and there's mulch. Okay. Mulch is shredded wood. Okay. That uh, has all of the benefits. Okay. The chips are primarily aesthetic. Oh. Yeah. The chips don't aren't going to give you that because there's a lot of airspace between them, so the air can get in, and it can still dry out your soil. The chips, are, they do still help, but not as much as the shredded mulch. Mm-hmm. But when it comes to the shredded mulch, if you want to go with a fine shredded one or a uh, natural look or a cedar mulch or a colored one, a charcoal or a red brick, they're all the same. Which, whichever one you look at and you're like, that's the aesthetic that appeals to me, that's the correct one for you. They're all going to do the same job. And you were talking um, just before this about weeding and how that's also something to to keep in mind when you're starting to cultivate your soil. So like, yep. is that that's probably another job that will take a few sessions to complete too. <laughs> you will never be done weeding. No. <laughs> ever. If, if you despise weeding, either get a landscaper or don't garden. Um, yeah. I don't mind weeding. I th- one of my favorite things is when I'm getting a dandelion out. And I get the whole root. Longest root I've ever had on a dandelion just for fun was from the tip of my middle finger about two inches past my elbow. And I got the whole thing like right down to the point. I got the whole top the root. The most satisfying yep. like notion in the world is when you pull up a dandelion and the the, the root's intact. The whole thing. Just, oh. It's like sucking up a spaghetti noodle. <laughs> yeah, it is so fantastic to get that out. The more you weed, the less you're going to have to weed. Yeah. If you have mulches down... If you've got a healthy garden, you know, thick perennial border or your vegetables are growing properly, you're not going to get a ton of weeds, but you will always have weeds. You know, my mom found a dandelion the other day. No. Open? She found that was it? No. She can tell. She saw the little green come up and you know how the dandelion has that distinct leaf? Yeah, yeah. You know what she said? Dang, dandelions. And I was like, what are you talking about? Dandelions have so many benefits to them. I, I... Love da- I've been preaching the benefits of dandelions for way too long. Yeah. They're essential to the ecosystem. We can eat them. The pollinators love them. Yeah. They're a primary early food source. Uh, they help with soil stabilization. They really don't leach anything from your grass. That's a, that's a myth. They have a main taproot that goes way deeper than most of the grass roots. They're not interested. They're doing their own thing. And... Dandelions are always welcome in my yard, just not in my flower or my vegetable <laughs> beds. I draw. I, we got to have boundaries. Yeah, we do. You know, that's very healthy, Colin. Yeah, exactly. Healthy boundaries yeah. are important in every relationship. Yeah. I have a relationship with my garden. Yeah. Ergo, dandelions can live here, but not here. I actually transplanted a dandelion one time. I, just, I wanted to see if I could. That's literally the only reason. I, I don't advocate it. You don't need to. They're not endangered. Can't believe it. Did it work? Yep. Oh no! Yeah, yeah. There was a uh, there was a uh, a dandelion. This big, big sassy dandelion. It must have been about fourteen, sixteen inches tall, and it's got this smug look on its little yellow head. Like, hey, look at me! I'm in your flower bed. And I was like, you know, I got mad respect. I don't know how I haven't noticed you until now, but respect. So I got my weeding spike, and I got it out, and and I got. Most of the root, I don't think I got all of it. I do think it broke off, but I mean, they've got so much energy. And I was like, you know what? What the hell? And I took my weeding spike and I went to my lawn. I drove my weeding spike in because dandelions are perennials. And I put it in. That's why your mom saw one. And I pushed the soil around it. I watered it. And then I was like, you know what? Then the next time I fertilized, I fertilized it. And yeah, it did fine. 
<laughs> but it's, these, this is how you learn things. This is why it's fun. And, and it did such a great job. I don't know how it had hit from me from so long. Like I'm pretty ruthless when I'm weeding. I know for a fact, I'm definitely in a minority. I enjoy weeding. Oh yeah. So, so we did do a poll that said, what is your least favorite garden chore? Yep. And we had raking, weeding, planning, and amending your soil. And yep. By far, 52% of people said weeding was their least favorite. Because I think that's the thing. You do weeding throughout the entirety Mm -hmm. of your gardening. It's not like raking, you do once or twice. Planting, you do once. My least favorite is raking. Oh, really? You know when I like raking? Now now I just do my garden, so I, I pick and choose when I do it. But when I was doing landscaping commercially, raking... When it's cold in uh, the autumn, yeah. when you get out that truck and you're like, oh my God, it's frosty and you've got to grab a rake. The crew would look at me and they were, they were like, why are you grabbing a rake? Because raking, it's hard, it's, it's gross, it's boring, it's repetitive. But you rake for five or 10 minutes and you're nice and warm. Mm-hmm. And then you can get about your day. And uh, the guys were like, oh, and they're, they're shivering and they're trying to cut back perennials. And I'm like raking away in the sun. And I, cause I'd pick my spot. I'm like, oh, the sunlight is here. I am going to rake here. Stupidly, I told one of them and they were like, oh, my God. Yeah. And they started doing it. And then the other guys picked up on it. Yeah. And at the end, we, we had a crew of about uh, 10 and we'd get out the truck and everybody would be racing to grab rakes, but we only had, I think, maybe six rakes because we didn't need that many. One time, before before everybody clued in, I was raking uh, the grass on a property and we didn't maintain the grass. Yeah. <laughs> and they're like, dude, what are you doing? I'm like, oh, you know, I'm just, just going to pick up these leaves. Being a nice guy. Yeah. And they're like, okay, weirdo. And then I'm nice and toasty warm. Half an hour later, I get back and I start working on the flower beds and they're still shivering and not happy. And I'm like, I'm with you, though. I really I do like weeding because it's it's tough to get into. But once you're into it, it's a lot of fun. It's the raking. Like you said, it's it's a lot of hard work. And also it's the one chore my mom says I have to come over and do for her. (laughs) So I think of every excuse under the sun to not dethatch her lawn because it's just that's it's 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 hard. You, You get caught up on the grass. You don't know how much pressure to apply and then she comes over she's like it's not good enough and then you have to go over it again (laughs) 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 i love you mom but that is the toughest job under the sun so i'm totally with you yeah i i don't i don't enjoy raking couple of couple of fun things that i never thought i would have to point out but i've had to point it out enough in my career that i'm like oh wow okay i i should i should bring this up you give people a rake and you're like, okay, let's go rake. And do you know how many times I see people trying to rake uphill? Oh. Rake downhill. <laughs> Let gravity be your friend. But I see people, I, I one time, okay, this one was a little over the top. I watched a guy, I'm not going to call him out. It just sometimes our brains aren't on. You're working, it's a long day. I make mistakes here all the time where I'm like, ugh. Okay, how did I how did I not think yeah. of that? So I'm not calling anybody out, but it was funny. We had a tree, beautiful crab apple tree in one of our properties back in Montreal. Unfortunately, it would drop all the crab apples. Yeah. And we had to get them up because they started breaking down and they encouraged wasps, et cetera, et cetera. And I asked the guy to go rake up the apples. I'm like, hey, before we get started cutting the grass, make sure all those apples are done. Yeah. No problem. And I'm organizing the rest of the crew. 
I had a girl working with me, uh, Debbie. She was awesome. She loved working the flower bed. So off she went to start weeding immediately. And Mm -hmm. I turn around and this guy who uh, I told to go rake up the apples. So the the tree was on a hill and he's trying to rake apples uphill. Oh, And he'd get a big clump of them and then half of them would roll back downhill. And I'm watching and I'm like, no, he's going to get it. He's, And then finally I walked over. I'm like, can I see your rake for a second? And he passed it to me and I was standing at the bottom of the, or, or, or downhill from him. It was a pretty big slope. It wasn't a steep hill, but it was yeah. a slope. He passed me the rake and I just did one pull and a ton of apples came. And he just looked at me like, I'm an idiot. And I'm like, happens to all of us, man. I'm like, let gravity be your friend. And he started laughing and I just walked away and, and he got all the apples uh, done. But... I see people do that when they're dethatching. Oh my gosh, yeah. And they're raking uphill. And yeah. I'm like, no, always rake down. You know what I love looking up on YouTube is lawnmower hacks. <laughs> um, okay. I've never looked that okay, up. Okay, hold on. You have to see this one because did you see that video of the uh, gentleman who tied a rope to his lawnmower? Mm-hmm. Did you see on that? On the tree and it cuts his oh, lawn in a circle? Too, and it just, yeah, it cuts the lawn yep. into a circle. No, this one. So he pushes the lawnmower down the hill and then he pulls it back up with a string. That is both ingenious and I wonder how many occupational health and safety regulations that violates. Oh, totally, totally. But I mean, yeah, find ways to work harder and or walk, work smarter. <laughs> but again, these are things that people go out and they're like, oh, this is where I'm starting to rake. And they don't yeah. even consider it because no. raking is one of those jobs where your brain wanders. Yeah. Raking and shoveling are the two jobs that I'm fluently ambidextrous on. I can rake equally as good with both hands because after a while, your arms start aching, so you change them up. Yep. You know, one thing I hate about raking too, ever since I've been in an office job, my calluses disappeared. Yeah. So I go out and I rake and I look down and I've got blisters Mm. and I'm like, son of a gun. Yeah. Yeah. My hands used to be so callous because I didn't wear gloves and I gardened for a living. I didn't used to get that. Now I do. But I'm obstinate, stubborn, tenacious. Tenacious is a better word. And I'm like, I'm going to put up with the blisters. I'm not wearing gloves. And I still don't wear gloves. Oh, no, of course yeah. not. Why, why start now? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's, it's funny, but I, I, I just, I hate raking with a passion. Yeah. I do it because I have to, yeah. but I would much rather weed. A be- How can you enjoy raking? It's like sweeping. But when I weed and I look back and the beds are spotless and the plants all stand out individually and everything is clean, I'm like, yeah, that's a good job. Yeah, absolutely. I think one of the reasons people hate weeding is they they don't know how to weed. There's very few weeds that you really, really have to go hard on and dig out. Like your dandelions, you've got to dig them out. Mm -hmm. A lot of them where they're coming up and they're really small and you'll get clovers or sorrel and and whatnot. And they're they're, they're really small. They're almost seedlings. Just turn them into the soil, Mm. bust them down, but take your cultivator, smash the heck out of them. If the roots are on the surface, they're going to dry out. It's going to die and they break down. You won't even see them within two days. You don't have to pull every single weed by hand. Another thing I want mm-hmm. to touch on on weeding, people look for an easier way to do it, as in tying a rope to your lawnmower. <laughs> Please do not use chemical sprays in your flower beds. Be careful with the chemical sprays. Don't spray dandelions when they're in bloom because you're going to hurt the pollinators. Spray them before they're in bloom or after they've bloomed. Yes. Other than that, go ahead, uh, use your Killex. But I have seen people 
you know, that they, they are being careful and the wind picks up. Yeah. And it drifts all of the chemical spray onto one of their perennials. Well, and I think there are even some some districts in Canada that don't even allow chemical sprays, nope. right? Nope. Montreal was one of the first to stop it. Yeah. So when I was landscaping, we weren't allowed to use them. Uh, we had to dig them out. But, you know, just be careful with uh, with your chemical sprays. It's important when you're using any chemical spray or fertilizer or dormant spray kit to absolutely read the manufacturer's directions and follow them. They've got it figured out. They know how it's going to work. I see people uh, say, oh, I buy this concentrate. I'm going to do it double strength. It'll be double as effective. What can end up happening is the chemical is so strong, it kills the leaf but the leaf didn't absorb any of the any of the uh, poison, so it didn't go into the roots. Mm-hmm. So it didn't kill the plant. You defoliated it, and then the plant comes right back. Yeah. So you may have to do a few treatments at the correct strength, but follow the directions. These sprays absolutely work. In a nutshell, you know what you want to look for this time of year are the small jobs, the small victories you can do. Make your plan. Think about what you need. Check your tools. Yeah, check your tools is a great one. You got time to kill and you want to get out in the garden. Check your tools. Make sure that they haven't rusted or they haven't broken. Um, better to find out now than later. You can you can fix it. I get the rust off wire brush, coat it with vegetable oil, stop the rust going further, yeah. and then you can dig with it. You're totally fine. Mm-hmm. Check your hose. Check your hose gun. Make sure they're working. Here's something I just thought of. Invest in a frost blanket. Yes. You know, how many times, and I know you've seen it too, where uh, the weather network, or you, because you put it on our social media now, frost warning. Oh my gosh. It's like it's like those emergency alerts. Yep. It's just like gardeners, yep. beware. There's frost coming. And people run in here for that yes. frost blanket. Buy a frost blanket now. And when you need it, you've got it. When you're done, fold it up, put it away, and you've got it for next year. Exactly. And if you're taking your time to make your garden plan now, I mean, we've got an entire podcast episode about it. So make sure to check back there. But make your list of all the things that you're going to need from the garden center. Because I remember when I was a cashier downstairs, sometimes I would see people on a weekly basis. We love to see you, but it's, I mean, it's it's one extra thing to do when you're starting up your garden. We all have to start somewhere. There's a lot to be done, but small victories and be gentle. That's the key. You know, like I always say, it's you're waking your garden up. Nobody likes to be woken up aggressively. Wake it up gently and it will pay dividends because you're not going to cause stress on the plants. You're not going to cause stress on the grass. You're going to have the tree pruned. You're not going to be putting a dormant spray kit on leaves that have opened. A little bit of planning, be gentle, ask for help, and uh, and we'll get you there. I love it. That's good life advice. <laughs> <laughs> Well, heading into question of the week, we had a lot of questions. I think a lot of people were very interested in this topic. Alex Paints Stuff, who was asking about the leaves and the debris. Um, We also had uh, Jenna Tabata on Instagram, who is asking, when should we be planting seeds? I know we have a whole seed starting chart on our website, goldenacre.ca, and there's regional planting charts that you can look up as well. We have a whole seed starting podcast. So Jenna, make sure to, to check out that. Um, we also have Miss Melly One, who uh, was new to gardening. No idea when to start, like how to start, how to get started. I mean, you're in the right place listening to the Helpful Gardeners. I hope this episode helped. There's a lot to do in a garden and it can seem pretty monumental and overwhelming. Everybody has different conditions. There's trial and error, there's learning. Best advice I can give is, you know, 
use the resources available, listen to this podcast, listen to our previous yeah. ones, uh, attend yeah. our webinars and ask questions. Yeah. Don't be afraid to make a mistake. Be enthusiastic. Don't be scared and don't think you're alone. You know how to reach us because you asked us a question. We'll celebrate your success and we'll help you with where you went wrong. Yeah. And Miss Melly, I think your your biggest strength right now is you're saying, I'm a beginner. I'm ready to learn. And yep. I think that's great. That's where we all have to start. Exactly. This question from Holly Morisco is just great. Her question is, how do I amend soil in my raised beds? And is this needed annually? First of all, I would say, yes, it is essential every year. As the plant grows, it depletes the resources available to it. That's why we need to fertilize. That's why we need to amend. It will be like trying to work out on an empty stomach. A raised bed is a different beast than a garden bed because a lot of time a raised planter, it may not have just all of the uh, natural topsoil and bedrock and all of the layers beneath it. So drainage is an important consideration. So you want to be very careful on what you add. If you want to add a, a really heavy, rich compost like sea soil in a garden bed, you can go buck wild with it and just really add a ton of it. In a raised planter, less is going to be more. So if I'm if I'm amending my soil for a raised planter, I'm looking for uh, more aeration. So I'm looking to add a. Uh, peat mosses and coirs and I would probably depending on the size of the raised planter I would probably stay away from uh, your traditional composts and I would move more into worm castings because worm castings are a lot lighter they're much more of a soil but uh, phenomenally nutrient rich and I would add that so I would try and keep my soil lighter for better drainage and more aeration and I would absolutely do that every year Oh, I love that. Uh, Holly, I hope you have a good success with your garden this year. That sounds exciting. And thank you to everyone and your questions. I thank you for catching this episode of the Helpful Gardeners podcast. If you do have a question, a comment, or an idea for a future episode, do give us a shout on our SpeakPipe app over at goldenacre.ca slash podcast. You can also interact with our Tuesday polls and questions on our Instagram channel at goldenacregarden. And you can also send us an email, social at goldenacre.ca all of these will be linked in the show notes, so be sure to check that out. And also join us next week for the Sodcast. Sodcast. Love it. <laughs> you you can tell I've been really excited to say that. But but it's the Sodcast. So we're gonna be mostly talking about lawn care, and we're so excited because we have our first guest. We do, we do. We have uh Shelly. And Shelly is a uh, colleague of mine. Uh, she's a representative of Scots Canada, and she is a lawn care specialist. Shelly is so good at getting people uh, to get their lawns that perfect green that we're talking about. So if you have a question about your lawn, maybe you got some winter kill. Maybe, uh, maybe your dog pees in one spot every year. Uh, maybe your lawn has just never been what you've wanted it yeah. to be, and you don't know where you're going wrong. Shelly is going to be able to answer all of that. We're going to we're going to ask us some really hard hitting questions. I'm just kidding. I'll be honest. Like I said, I've I've done it before. I've got people's lawns uh, up and running, but yeah. I am not a lawn care specialist. That is not uh, my forte. My forte is uh, plants. So yeah, I'm I'm really excited to have Shelly on board. Yeah, me too. So come and hang out with us next Sunday, 8 a.m. Mountain Time on your favorite podcasting platforms. Bye, everyone. <laughs>